Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Mayor of the city of Erie joins us, Mayor Joe Schemberg. Uh, good to see you, sir. Great to be here, Joel. Thanks a lot for having me on. All righty. Uh, well, I want to start with fun, okay? Because it's Friday, the sun's out, you know. 814 day. It, it, we yes. had a great day in the city of Erie, didn't we? Well, it, it was awesome. You know, I, I got around to all five of the parks. I, my wife and I spent about four hours just, you know, going there and talking with people. And uh, I could not have had more positive feedback from people. And just about every park we went to, several people would say to me, let's do this every year. This is great. It's, it was a neighborhood event, so it's kind of special in that way. Although I found often there were people from even outside of the Erie area, that, that had, maybe from Chicago or Detroit, they happened to be in town, they heard about this, and they came too. It, it was a really a great experience. I think it, it was really one of those things that Aaron Lonke and his team, you know, they were making uh, uh, lemonade out of lemons. I mean, it, we're, we're so used to having the big monster Celebrate yes. Erie event, but this was yes. a way to showcase local talent, get people yes. spread out, uh, be able to experience the parks, which yep. is, uh, you know, for some of us, we're there every day. Many of us don't go to the city parks a lot of times. You're right. Uh, there were 25 local bands, five in each of the parks from three till nine. And then, of course, at nine, we had the two uh, uh, kind of family movies, uh, one on the west side, one on the east side. And uh, those were very well attended as well. How was security and all that? Was there any issues that you can uh, find? Uh, I think there may have been. Uh, I think I heard there were two people arrested because they were intoxicated. But I, there were police. There was a couple of policemen kind of on the sidelines at each park. And I would always go over and say hi to them and talk to them. And they basically, every one of them told me there was no problems, no issues. Everything was going very smoothly. People were, you know, just enjoying the day. Which is, which is really remarkable when you think about you know, yeah. celebrate Erie or Roar on the Shore or any of the big downtown events, you almost had to have this platoon. That's right. Of of uh, law enforcement just to keep things under control. Yes, yes. So we're trying to figure out next week or next year. We're not sure exactly what we'll do. We definitely want to start celebrate Erie back up again because that's a that's a great event in downtown Erie. But we're going to do something with this eight one four day concept as well for sure. Yeah, I, I I think there's a lot the, a lot of uh, pride that could come out of that, and and again, anytime people can be neighborly to each other, yes. uh, I yes. think that's that's hugely important for for the community to bind together, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. There was one very minor issue. It's not it's not a big deal, uh, and I don't want to make a big deal out of it. But I was a little disappointed that. When I was going around, I saw mainly white crowds. Mm. Uh, there certainly were some people of color there. Uh, we had people of color entertaining. Uh, it just wasn't the volume that I thought we should see based on how the, the city. So that's something that we are, we're already working on for next year to find out how do we get more immigrants, refugees, people of color to attend these events as well. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like there might have been a little concerned about COVID uh, from uh, well, you know, different uh, uh, people groups? I'm sure some people were. I know, you know, the, the way it's kind of uh, kicked back up now with this Delta variant, 
uh, every, you know, like in city hall, we're all wearing masks now, unless we're in our office by ourselves, you don't have to wear a mask then. But other than that, uh, if we're in a meeting one-on-one -on -one with somebody, we put a mask on. Let's, let's go to city hall. Uh, have you, uh, other than mask wearing, have you thought about any other changes because of the increase in COVID? Uh, no, at this point, we really follow in the lead of, of the county, to be honest, because they have the very good health department there. And certainly if, if they say we should be considering possibly closing, we'll, we'll certainly consider that very strongly. But as of right now, I think everybody feels pretty safe with the masks and the social distancing. Uh, it, it, it seems to be going well. And, uh, you know, we've put in some new security at City Hall now where you have to go through a metal detector, have your bags checked and things like that. And that's making a very positive difference, at least among the staff at City Hall. They feel much safer now. You know, in the past, we've had a couple incidents on the upper floors where somebody was there doing threatening things or, you know, just making the employees uncomfortable. Well, that doesn't happen anymore now. It's, it's controlled and people have to have an appointment and be there to see somebody. They can't just kind of wander around City Hall anymore. Are they screening for temperature or doing any quick little... Uh... Screening at the front end, as far as COVID-wise, you know, I don't, I don't think they are. Okay. Uh, they're definitely asking everyone to wear a mask, whether they're vaccinated or not, because of course, even vaccinated people can carry the virus, so that's why it's important for everyone to to wear a mask. But I don't think we're screening uh, for COVID. I, I want to ask you about uh, interfacing with with City Hall, and you have what is it, the Citizens Response uh, Team, or go talk yeah, about that? Yes. Citizens Response Center, Moss Sela runs that. He gets probably a, about around 100 calls a week. And a lot of them, there's a, a pattern to the same type of thing. That and, and people are really good at working with Moss. We want to have answers for, for anyone that calls within three days, three business days. And uh, if Moss isn't getting those from a department, he'll let me know about it. And I'll talk to the department head about it. Uh, but they, they've been, it's, it's been going very well. And, uh, there's, you know, we, you know, after people don't have their garbage picked up or something like that, we get a lot of calls that like that too. And then it's just a matter of notifying public works department and they get a car out and take care of it. So uh, it's been, it's been going very well. There haven't been like serious concerns yet that we need to really address or it, it's kind of the same type of things over and over again right now. Well, it's it's basically asking the city for some help for this or that or or you know, maybe a a a, a troubled property or something like that, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, I the only sometimes when I'm out somebody will say, "Hey, I called the citizen response center. They did, they did a really good job." It's always positive feedback mm -hmm. when people talk to me about it, which is really good to hear. Moss Sela is doing a a great job with that and everyone in city hall is cooperating with him and giving him responses as quickly as possible. And I wanted to point out too, that uh, you don't actually even have to talk to a person. You can actually put a request in on the website. It's right there from That's right. the city hall website or the city of Erie website. So, uh, That's I, right. and again, it might just be that large uh, item pickup, right? Cause that's yeah, 20, that's, that's 12 months a year now. Right. That's right. All you have to do is call beforehand, get the date they'll be picked up. It's, it'll be on your garbage night. The only question is, will it be the next one? or Because they can only do so many a night. And I'll tell you, I, I think our public works department is really amazed at the amount of large items we're getting. Mm -hmm. We thought, I think everyone thought you know, after a year or so, it would probably die off. But it, it keeps getting larger and larger. 
which is good because people are getting rid of those large items that are cluttering up their homes. Do you feel that uh, we're seeing less illegal dumping in the city because of this uh, strategic move that you made uh, early on in your administration? I think it might be helping some, but there still is some illegal dumping going on and, and dumping in inappropriate places and things like that, which we still have to address, unfortunately. It would be nice if everyone would just kind of follow the rules and do things properly. But uh, unfortunately, some of it still is happening. Is there uh, thoughts of uh, of more surveillance? I, I guess uh, I don't want this to be a police state, but it seems yeah. to me that we probably need more cameras, not less uh, throughout the city, right? Yes, and I, I can tell you there's a lot more cameras now at City Hall, and uh, we're continuing to add to that as, as well. Uh, and there are also a lot more cameras really uh, across the city. You know, a lot of businesses are putting them up, a lot of private property owners have them up. But if there's a crime that happens in that area, that's very helpful to our police. To they, they all, One of the first things I always look for after a crime is what cameras are up in this area. And they'll talk to the homeowner or the business if they think they may have gotten a shot of what actually happened. Let's pivot to police and fire. I know, again, one of your, your main um, objectives is to increase diversity uh, in uh, public safety. Where does that stand these days? Where are we at in the recruiting cycle? Because you have like a yearly recruiting cycle, right? That's right. We test every year for police and every other year for fire. And uh, you know, uh, about a year ago, Tom Lennox uh, got a, we got a grant for his salary and benefits. So he kind of he's still on the police force, but his full time job is is trying to get minorities and and women as well because we. We have very few women on the force. Very, I think there's less than 10 women, less than 10 minorities. We want our police force to look like the community. So everybody sees people that, that look like them. So we've been, uh, we, we've been working hard trying to, to, to move that forward. Uh, Tom Lex has been doing a great job. Uh, we are, I know we'll, we'll talk about uh, COVID-19, or not COVID-19, but a ARP funding eventually mm -hmm. here. Uh, but uh, that's one of the things we're looking at. And we haven't made any decisions on that yet, but one of the important things is how can we use this COVID money to increase the, the female and the minority representation on our police and, and our fire department as well. We have one African-American firefighter. It's a woman who's now a lieutenant who's doing a great job. We met her. Uh, yeah, she's again, impressive. Yes, but... she is very impressive. Uh, but, you know, again, we want, uh, you know, if, if you go to a fire department, you know, one of our stations, you should be able to see somebody that looks like you. And that, that's what we're trying to get to. Any jobs? I mean, how are you doing on recruiting? I mean, in, in all of the parts of City Hall, are you having trouble hiring people like everybody else seems to be? Yeah, we've been definitely having some problems with that. You know, we, we, we need to hire, a, we're, we're trying to hire one person for AR to work with the ARP, the funding uh, and uh, I think we have somebody lined up there that looks like we had about 15 applications for that yet for uh, now. And I, I think we've made an offer and I believe it's been accepted. But, but even that, just even that one particular job, when you think about it, Mayor, that w there would have been a time you would have gotten 60 applications for you're right. a job at, at, at City Hall and you got 15. Interesting. Yes. Now, it might have been very, very specific skill sets, but still, that's yes. interesting to me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Normally, we'd have got a lot more. And there's just there don't seem to be as many people looking for jobs now. And I think a lot of that's because of COVID-19. It's 
you know, you don't want your kids to be home at home alone uh, when they're not in school. And so you can't be off working if, if you want to make sure your kids are doing all right. So it's a it's a kind of a challenging time right now for that. You've been able to do a lot of uh, resurfacing. I've, I've been seeing the releases from Frank Stramella about uh, different resurfacing. Uh, were all those on the general budget, or are, do you have some more money to work with because of the water deal? Uh, no, they're all out of the general budget. That water deal money is is not being used for that at all. I mean, most okay. of it, of course, was used to pay down debt, which was the main reason that we did it. And that allows us... We, that's why we didn't have a tax increase this year, and we won't for the next four years. There won't be any property or, or uh, income tax uh, it, uh, tax increases in, in the city for at least the next four years. We're hoping to extend that even longer. I want to go th- keep going through the departments here, and there's an article in the newspaper today uh, regarding uh, Central City residents, what they – they literally used to call the hood, right? Twenty twenty uh, third or twenty fourth in in Holland, and uh, uh, it is it, it is remarkable how much better uh, that neighborhood has gotten through yes. individuals upgrading uh, their communities. And Tim Hahn and Kevin Flowers reported on this today, but they do quote folks as saying, you know, if we could just get a little help. Um, here's here's a quote from um, a 70-year-old, Anthony Carson, 24th in German. We need help down here. I can look out my window and see how three houses that need to be torn down or have some work done to them before they fall down on someone. No one is addressing that, but we have to live in it. I'm sure you saw the article. Um, yeah. uh, this goes right back to the blight and the land bank and the speed that we're able to either do remediation or uh, – blight removal where's that all at Uh, yeah we've been doing as much as we can and i think arp is going to allow us to really pick up the pace quite a bit again we haven't made any final decisions how we're spending any of the money you know we're getting 76 million we actually got the first 38 million about a month or so ago we'll get the next 38 million in about a year uh and but that's one of the things we're looking very seriously at you know how can we move forward you know, Erie, uh, back 50, 55 years ago, we had 40,000 more people living here than yeah. live here now. And so a lot of houses have no one living in them. And they just degenerate and get in really bad shape. We've been trying to take down as many as we can, uh, but you need the funding to be able to do it. Well, you know, we're, we're really looking at possibly using some of this ARP funding to, to make that happen, especially on the lower east side, which seems to be the area of town that has the most problems like at, at night where there's shootings in the middle of the night or you know people are drinking at parties and stuff like that uh so that's something we're looking very seriously at uh, with the art money and originally we were thinking we first started to think about this we were thinking of uh, creating parks over there like blo- whole block parks but if you look at the blocks over there there's some bad houses but there's some good houses still too we don't want to be destroying those so it's going to be kind of a series of small parks through the uh the Lower East Side, where we get rid of the dilapidated homes, and that will make the ho- good homes worth even more going forward. It'll it'll really have a, a, a good a couple good positive effects there. And uh, so again, that's something we're looking real seriously at doing. What's the status of code enforcement? If if someone did call the uh, citizens response team about a, a house 
Is Andy Zimmerman or his team going out there to check things out, or is that still been diminished because of COVID-19? No, I'd say they're actively doing that now, and we encourage people to report th- those sorts of things. And Kathy, Do- uh, Kathy Rosdick took over that department. Right, the whole thing, tr- yeah. Yeah, the whole thing, right. She's really trying to make code enforcement more proactive because they've always been just simply reactive. And mm-hmm. they had got so many calls, that's all they had time to do. So she's working hard. It's not going to happen overnight, but I believe over time it will, where they get very proactive. And in, in, so if there's a bad house in a neighborhood, people aren't going to have to call on it because her people will see it and they'll act on it. And to be fair, you even mentioned this a uh, few months ago that – Every neighborhood, I live in Mercyhurst, you live in Frontier, every neighborhood in the city has blight problems. There's always You're that right. one, uh, you know, just odd uh, yes. house. I see him on my walk, and yep. it's like, man, you, you it's, it's so surprising. And yeah, again, yeah, you we- don't know if it's like an old person that just can't keep up or if it's yeah. just been abandoned altogether. Yeah. Or you have that one house that never cuts their grass, you know, mm. and obviously you can complain about it. We can give them a, you know, we can come and cite them. Uh, and oftentimes they'll then cut it, but then it'll grow back again. And the same complaint happens over and over again. It, 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 it seemed to me that when we were doing the quality of life ticketing, when we were doing like keeping thing, keeping short yeah. accounts, uh, yeah. it seemed that seemed to be something that, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you, you never let graffiti um, you know the old uh, uh, the old New York way of uh, of you know you never let the cafriti, uh, uh stay there. You always clean it off. Yeah. Be, you know because it just it just kept crime and and yeah. uh, and stuff going down. I mean I know we I know we've been dealing with COVID and a lot of other things, but it seemed to me like that was working for a while. Yeah, I I agree with you, and that's something we probably do need to get back to uh, eventually. Here, we're not quite back to that that yet. But uh, it does it does seem to work really well when you're proactive about things. Mm-hmm. What about uh, uh, coordination with neighborhood organizations? I, I know that Serve Erie had adopted that donut hole. You've got Snoops, and you've got, yeah. of course, the community centers and so on. Are yeah. they uh, are they partners in this kind of overall revitalization of of residential here in Erie? Absolutely, yeah. They're they're partners. We communicate with them regularly we're looking for and we're receiving their input on how should we spend the arp money what's the best what's going to have the most positive effect and we're really looking to try to raise people up to a higher level and it's frankly mainly people of color who mm-hmm. are underpaid uh overworked and how do we get them living at, at a higher level not just for a year or two but for their lifetime their kids their grandkids we'd like you know that's something that just has been very slow to get changed, and we want to increase the speed of that. I want to stay with that for a second uh, because yeah. we just had the uh, Erie County Community College president on, Chris Gray, ah. Dr. Gray, uh-huh. and um, he was saying that they have 600 applicants for the community college, wow. and about, uh, t- I want to say, close to one-third are people of color that have applied awesome. for the college. Does that give you some some encouragement as far as really hitting hitting some of the notes that we're trying to do to increase diversity and increase uh, you know kind of lifting all the ships here in Erie? Yeah, that's very very encouraging to hear. Uh, 
because that's the one piece of education that we're missing in the city of Erie. And it's, it's vital for somebody that's graduated from high school, probably didn't do that great, never really was into studies and that sort of thing. How do we get them to the next level to get that job? And we were really missing a good community college. And now it's there. It's going to be starting, I think, in a week or two now. And it's really, I'm really happy to hear that one third of their 600 applicants are people of color. That's great news. And, and, and again, it's, it's the kids from like 18 to 21, but it's also older folks that have like, you, this is going to be their new chance to uh, gear up their skills and so on. And so a lot, a lot of the hopes and dreams of Empower Erie and, 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 you know, the folks that we talk to all the time here on the show, uh, yes. I think they're, they're coming true. So census, April 1st, 2010, 101,786. The estimate through last year, or through 2019, I should say, is uh, 95,508. When they made the count for April 1st, 2020, the U.S. Census concluded that we were at 94,837, which is a drop of 6.83% from the 2010 number. Mayor, your reaction? Well, obviously, we are disappointed with that number. We really think we're well over 100,000 people in, in Erie. And, you know, we were very involved with the census, my team and I. We were involved in a lot of attempts to get to the minority community and the immigrant refugee community. Um, new, you know, in the last uh, five or six years, we've had people from over 100 different countries come to Erie and become U.S. citizens. We, we, do, we swear in five to 600 new citizens every year. Uh, and we just don't believe we could be under 100,000. And 100,000 is an important number because it determines some major federal uh, spending that could come into our, our region. So I believe the same thing happened about 10 years ago, if I, if I recall correctly, that we were originally said to be in the 90,000s 90, and, and the administration at that time kind of fought it and eventually got it moved back up over 100,000. We're hoping we can accomplish the same thing this year. What are the courses of action to fight it? Because we, we were actually hearing on Tuesday when we interviewed Michelle Jagai, who's the census coordinator last year, uh, we were hearing from other townships saying there's no way that we lost uh, people, yeah. but they were saying that we lost 600 people in, in Harbor Creek Township or something like that. What, what, yeah. what can you do? I mean, is there, is there a complaint line? There, there is a method I know, and we're trying to get the details on this. We actually have uh, – our, our U.S. senators kind of staff working on that, trying to, to tell us exactly what do we need to do, how do we present it. My understanding is 10 years ago, they tried a couple different ways, and the first couple were kind of declined. It, it, it wasn't valid, but eventually they found a way that they said, okay, we'll move you up over 100,000 and put it just a little over 100,000. That's that 101, 786 mm -hmm. number. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we'd like to get back to that again, and uh, obviously – COVID-19 has had a huge impact in a lot of ways on all of us, and certainly our census number is, is no different. And we're really hoping we now, you know, we got this new new variant, the Delta variant now, which has got people real concerned again, and we're wearing masks when together uh, in, in, inside and that sort of thing. But we're hoping we can get that behind us, get more people vaccinated, you know, get enough that it stops spreading like it has and stops changing to different forms to spread. Uh, so, so we're really hoping that we can get that in place. And then we think we can really start doing things to bring more jobs and more people to Erie 
which is my team and my top priority this year. Yeah, you're looking you're looking toward your strategic plan and and uh, and moving forward. Uh, I mean, the what was really hard to see, honestly, um, is the the narrative used to be. And again, I've lived here all all my life. I lived five years out, out outside of the community, but uh, for the rest of it, it's been here in Erie. Uh-huh. And it used to be the narrative was, well, those people, it's just, the, you know, the shuffling of the deck chairs where uh, we've just got people moving to Summit or Mill Creek or Harbor Creek or whatever. That's not what happened this time around. Uh, again, yeah. according to the census numbers, we look at the census. We The, the county went from kind of be, having flat or maybe one or two tenths of a point of increase or even 1% increase in, in more recent surveys to a three and a half percent drop to me that is a that is a, a an actual exodus from our metropolitan area and uh and again you've seen it in your profession where uh we we used to have headquarters for the banking and financial services industries they all left in the last 20 25 30 years um uh, we've seen it in, uh, in of, of course, in manufacturing. We've seen it in, in other things. And, and I just have a personal anecdote. I had a family of five in 2010, and when I filled out my form last year, it was a family of two. Wow. And so, <laughs> it, it, yeah, well, the kids left, and my daughter was getting counted at her university down south in Butler County. Uh-huh. And so, and, and so th- there's a real – issue here of of actual out migration and and again to your point how do we get in migration going again yeah i think the count was way low also uh and i think a lot of that's because of covid19 uh and a lot of it's because the immigrants and refugees new americans the the hundreds of those that come over every year and you know become citizens uh it a, they're a little bit afraid, to be honest, from what I understand, of giving information because they don't know what's going to be done. With I'm them. from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> That's <laughs> that right. whole thing, right? Yeah. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think we all know it's all kept confidential, but mm-hmm. uh, especially after some things our last president said, I think it made uh, people of color, immigrants, and refugees a little leery about doing the census. And I really do think there's a significant amount of people, probably throughout all of Erie County, that just never completed it. For you know, because they were afraid to. Yeah. What What about the concept of that? The more larger metropolitan areas and the and basically the bedroom communities of those metros are growing, whereas we're basically far enough away from a metro that we are considered rural. I mean, for lack of a better word, and we're yeah. shrinking. So just case, case in point, Allentown, which is basically a bedroom community for northern New Jersey and the New York City metro, they went up 6.62% in the last 10 years. Reading, a basically a bedroom community for Philadelphia, up 8% from la- – I mean, for wow. Reading to beat us, that's – Dunk. That was just that. I mean, they they were their population estimate. Talk about undercount or overcount. Their population estimate uh, a year out was eighty eight thousand. They actually scored ninety five thousand people in Reading, and that's what edged us out by um, 
uh, what it, you know, 300 people. I mean, literally, we would have been still number four uh, for for lack of 300 folks. Yes. It's frustrating. It's frustrating, but as long as we can hopefully make a strong case and get moved back above 100,000, it really doesn't have any negative impact on, on us. Yeah. If we stay below 100,000, it will because it's going to reduce by millions of do- millions of dollars the federal funding that comes into Erie, and we we certainly don't want that to happen. Two more questions about the census, and we'll move on to okay. ARP. Uh, okay. Number one, I've I've heard it. At, well, I, I'll ask my question first. Is uh, the smaller our population gets, and I'm more concerned with the metro, with the MSA, which is all of Erie County, for that to start shrinking by t- uh, over, well, almost 10,000 people. Um, yeah. Doesn't that threaten our quality of life insofar as not just from federal dollars, but literally being able to afford the assets that we all enjoy? So whether it is being able to pay for the Philharmonic or the or the theater arts programs, or uh, you know, to make sure that our schools, although the schools are getting all kinds of Fed cash, but but typically speaking, to afford the you know the the schools that we have, and to afford the roads that we have. When you shrink, when you have, when you're drawing on the same amount of taxes, or if not more, from smaller number of people, uh, your quality of life can't keep up. Uh, Negate that if you if you think I'm wrong. Well, I th- I think it, it is definitely a concern at, at the, sh- the shrink in size, uh, and one of the impacts is on taxes because you know if you have less people paying taxes, then the people paying them probably have to pay more. And again, we're I think we've managed the city's finances pretty well to avoid avoid that uh, from happening. Uh, but it uh, we definitely want to grow here. My team and I. You know, the city had three major financial problems when, when I took office. We've really totally eliminated two of them, and we're well on our way to, to uh, eliminating the third one. And so now our focus is really changing for the years ahead. And, and what we want to do is bring more jobs and more people to Erie. And we've definitely, uh, our, our local businesses have started to bring more jobs and more people. And, of course, right now the problem is there aren't enough people for the jobs that are out there. Just about any uh, employer you talk to, whether it's a whether it's a small restaurant or a large industrial firm, every one of them tells me, you know, I've got five openings I can't fill, or I've got ten openings I can't fill, and these are good family-sustaining jobs. So, I, you know, we're going to keep bringing the jobs of the future to Erie. Hopefully, more and more people. My experience too is when people come here and go to the Bayfront Convention Center, maybe maybe they're here for three or four days at a convention or something. They're really impressed with Erie. Uh, those of us that have lived through our life, we kind of take the, the bay and the peninsula and the lake for granted because we've always seen it. They've never seen anything like that before, and it's 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 incredible. So I do think we have potential to grow. I agree with you. It's important that we that we continue to grow. And again, once we get COVID nineteen totally behind us, that'll be a focus. Yeah. The the last question, and and again, it's it's more of a comment of. You know what's so bad about being ninety five thousand? Um, uh, you know, especially when you consider that you could work from Silicon Valley or you could work for some big tech firm and live in Erie. The, the where you where you live doesn't seem to be nearly as important anymore. And um, and so you know what what's the big deal? And, and I, again, I'm just I'm just trying. I mean, we had we had inherited amazing assets 
from from the industrialists and and the wealth that we had uh, even 90 years ago when we were the 104 the uh, the 69th largest uh, uh, city in the country in in 1930 and we had 140,000 people in 1960. Uh, we've inherited all that, but uh, we need to keep. We'll keep moving forward here. All right, Mayor. Uh, an inclusive framework for transforming Erie. This just came out last week, and and this is dealing with the activating uh, your vision plan and using the ARP for that. Give us like a little flyover overview of what the plan is with these American Rescue Plan dollars. Okay. Yeah. ARP, the American Rescue Plan. That, as I mentioned earlier, we're getting a total of $76 million from the federal government. We already received the first $38 million this year. We'll get another $38 million around this time next year. And so what we've, what we've been doing, this, this money uh, can be used. It, there, there are regulations. It's about 171 pages, I think, of regulations in terms of how you're allowed to use this. But as long as you use it properly, you, you won't have to pay any of it back or, or, or lose any of it. We have until the end of 2024 to allocate how we're spending the money and then and we'll we'll start spending it before that but we and then we have till the end of 2026 to spend it all anything a city doesn't spend they're gonna have to pay back to the federal government so of course our goal is to spend it all but another important goal we have is we want to get matching funds uh from various there's a lot of that type of money available uh, uh for instance i've talked to we talked to three or four groups, often either businesses or social groups that have plans they'd like to implement with, with this money. And we're always looking for, you know, where can you get max matches for it? So if you need three quarters of a million dollars, say we give you 250,000, are there two other sources you can get 250 to match that? And that would triple the amount we're able to do in Erie from do, doing, you know, doing about the, uh, 76 million to doing 225 million or something. And what something were, in that where area. are those sources generally at? Are they federal sources? Are they private concerns? Where would that money come from? There's federal, there's state, there's also you know uh, for not-for-profit not groups that are, are trying to do that kind of thing and, and have money available. You know, we have a city planner who I'm very proud of, and she has gotten grants for over 30 million dollars in, in our first three years in office here and so she's helping people also that we talk to like well you go here for a matching grant or here and that sort of thing and there's just a lot of money available out there and if we make people aware of it they can take advantage of it makes a lot of sense um let me go through some of this allocation framework number one direct relief grants and loans kind of what you're referring to but there are these uh, programs called the flagship fund or the commodore fund or the training assistance program entrepreneur grants housing assistance small business development that's a that's a place where you can park some cash there right absolutely we, we still have to it has to be spent by by you know the end of 2026 uh, and we're probably those a lot of those funds exist already We'll probably create a special section for this type of money, and and we'll you know so that people who apply for it will will qualify and get it and get it there. But yeah, that's definitely we don't we haven't don't have a dollar figure yet, but we definitely want to enhance these funds to increase uh, making homes better. We were talking about that earlier. There's a lot of homes in Erie that aren't in good shape. Yes, uh, and, and you know, just, just making the environment better. Yeah, you think about how many roofs. 
Yeah, I mean, if it's you know, if it comes under the ARP, you think yeah. about how many roofs you could replace. You know, yes. at, at uh, seven to ten thousand a pop. I mean, you can you yeah. can make a huge difference in yeah. in our housing stock just by fixing roofs or fixing uh, soften and fascia transfers yeah. to special units of local government. So we're talking about the redevelopment authority and so on. Uh, talk yes. about that. What, what do you mean by all that? Again, that's getting money to to people like the redevelopment authority, the city of Erie, the Erie County redevelopment authority. To, they can get good things. They can correct problems that we have if they have the funds to do it. One of their challenges has been, you know, having enough money. So this is another way we can use some of these funds. And again, we want to use the funds in a way that aren't just going to make a difference for a year or two, but are going to make a difference for generations to come. Maintenance of city of Erie infrastructure. So we're talking about water and um, I, sure. again, a, a lot of people talk about water, especially in, in reference to Flint, Michigan and so on. Right. Yes. You know, our, our water, our sewer, it's amazing how old that is. We, you know, we've got pipes underground that are over a hundred years old. Mm. And we just had a problem on, on the East side recently uh, with some pipes rupturing and they actually forced some people to have to leave their home for a while because of the, the danger that that created. Uh, so th again, that's that city's infrastructure is something that we have no money set aside for, uh, but th these funds could help us rectify that and, and move forward and be much, much healthier. Let me ask you this. Uh, could could it be possible that because of the other infrastructure bill, this could be taken care of by that as well as the broadband issues and the 5G yes. that we're hoping for, right? Yes. Both, both this and broadband are something we're considering for this, but that other bill, if it gets passed, will take care of that. And then obviously we won't use the money for this. Uh, participatory budgeting will be – implemented to bring improvement to our parks and public spaces. What, what's some of the vision for the parks and public spaces? Again, we've had a lot of input from people all over town that to make their parks better, you know, more inviting places where people want to be and recreate together and have concerts and, and things like that. So uh, it's an area that we don't have a lot of money in the city's budget to do, but again, these funds provide us some additional things the other thing is parks and public spaces are used by everyone. So everyone benefits from that, not just the people who happen to live in a certain area. Sure. So, uh, so we're, we're really encouraged by that as well. And then uh, public and private partnerships used for select projects that could have an equitable impact on those most affected by the pandemic. Again, you're, you're uh, directing it uh, to uh, improve equity. Talk about that. That's right. Uh, Really, uh, you know, when you think about African-Americans, for instance, you know, who many of them came, their ancestors came here as slaves hundreds of years ago, mm -hmm. and they're still discriminated against, which which is wrong. And uh, they just don't have the opportunity to, to get into a better way of life. So we're really hoping that these will use a good part of these funds to, to help them do that and move forward. So you actually have identified... Uh... You know how to chop up the seventy-six million, which again, um, it's a lot of money. So uh, yes. services to disproportionately impacted communities, like you just mentioned, uh, thirty-one million for blight acquisition and remediation, comp comprehensive housing program, public safety, and parks and public spaces. Do you think that you could use ARP money? to go deep in funding, like uh, to kind of really building back 
for example, the police force to get it to where uh, they recommend the the force uh, being? I'll tell you, one of the things we're considering, again, no decisions have been made, Yeah. but add to the police force, and it would be a group that responds uh, to domestic problems. We have 15 to 20 uh, police responses on domestic issues. This is issues within homes between married people or people that live together. And uh, and a lot of them are repetitive as well, but there's nobody really trying to get this group of people beyond wh- where they are. So this group that we're thinking of forming with some of this money would, would be going around after the police originally respond to the problem, make sure everything everybody's safe and healthy and good shape. They would be calling on these people then and working with them and trying to change their lives to a more more something that's more healthy and better for everyone in the home. Uh, that's something that we had 30, 40 years ago. I was going to say, we used to have all these uh, cohorts that were specially trained, whether it was for bank fraud or for domestics. Yes. You know, you'd roll the domestic uh, cruiser for things yes. like that. Yes. And of course, things have gotten worse in that area, to be honest, with COVID-19. That's where we've seen a lot of murders, not so much gangbangers, but in domestics. You're right. Uh, That's a huge problem. And I know there can be stress in domestic relationships, but we're hoping to provide the stress or the help to lessen that stress and get people to live together comfortably and enjoy their lives, you know, not wasted fighting with each other. When, uh, I've got like two minutes left with Mayor Joe Schember. Uh, we talked about an infrastructure. You have $11.5 million there. It's very possible that that could be reallocated if the infrastructure bill kicks through. Negative yes. economic impacts, groundwork, COVID-19 economic recovery. These, these, there's $18.4 million uh, designated. Again, these are just ideas. They're not, they haven't, they're not in stone. But yes. uh, small business assistance, entrepreneur assistance, um, what do you think you could do with all that? Yeah, we, we definitely have ideas. There's a couple of organizations that, that we can work with to help particularly minorities and women start new businesses, because that's very difficult to do unless you have some private funding available. Uh, most minorities and a lot of women do not have that. And this, we, we kind of have a, a tentative plan for something that we'll present to council when we're ready uh, to provide that kind of funding particularly to, to, to women and, and to uh, people of color and minorities. And we, we've worked with a couple different groups that do this. We've had, we've had some connection with both of them already, and we're thinking of maybe expanding that and really getting help. And a, a lot of this money will be definitely in that area, as well as kind of you're, you're remediating the, the brownfields right. and getting some site development. Uh, we've got... Uh, you know, some in- two really big projects we have going on right now. One is the Old Erie Malleable Iron at uh, 12th and Cherry, uh, between Cherry and Liberty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's that pathway across 12th Street the, up the high. Sky, the sky. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that is going to be taken down within the mm-hmm. next couple of weeks and eliminated because it's falling apart in really bad shape. And most of Erie Malleable Iron will probably be taken down, we hope, by later this year, but it may not be till early next year in the spring depending on how quickly things can move and what we learn. Uh, there, there's a four-story building right on the corner of uh, 12th and Sherry, which is Erie Malleable Iron's kind of headquarters. We think that, uh, I'm being told, we think that that building can be preserved, but the rest of that building will probably come down 
And then there's actually a plan that the county's planning department has put together for what that would be replaced with. And hopefully that would attract businesses and provide jobs to people in the area. We're going to have to leave it there. It, it sounds like uh, it might be a possibility to actually have some of that shovel-ready uh, stuff for redevelopment that we've been talking about. I think we're going to be going at this ARP thing again and again, Mayor, because yes. it's just a lot to it, right? But I we'll do, be talking about it a lot, I'm sure. I yes. think so. Thank you so much for your patience and your time with us today. Sure. Thanks for having me on, Joel. I appreciate it. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.